Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You, where we'll continue to explore all aspects of functional medicine and good health. We'll help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Now, here is your host, Dr. Camille Vardy. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. Today, I'd like to talk with you about a nutrient that is completely misunderstood and whose importance is profoundly unrecognized. And getting the right amount of it can change your life. It could even save your life. That nutrient is humble little vitamin B1, also known as thiamine. Those are just two different names for the same thing. No one ever talks about it, and when we do, most of the time, we say that no one in modern life is deficient in it. We say that the only people who are deficient are people who are starving from war or famine or poverty. And we say that the only issue is a condition called beriberi that doesn't occur outside of the most impoverished circumstances. But we need to completely rethink this. What is beriberi? It affects the heart, the nervous system, and the lymphatic system. And it can cause rapid heartbeat, an enlarged heart, or shortness of breath. It can cause muscle weakness, loss of muscle tone, tremors, problems with coordination, and even paralysis. It causes numbness, tingling, and a sense of pins and needles in the limbs. And it can create swelling in the limbs lymphatic system issues. We might see pain, vision, speech difficulties, mental confusion, memory loss, and even brain damage. All I can say is that I see a lot of patients with these these issues. So I think this is not such a rare thing in modern life. Add in the fact that vitamin B1 is depleted by consuming coffee, tea, sugar, alcohol, and by smoking, well, you can see why it really is such a common deficiency. And let's think about how these issues affect us long-term. An enlarged heart or rapid heartbeat can lead to long-term problems that can increase the risk of heart attack or failure and can ultimately become fatal. And the muscle weakness and loss of coordination can lead to falling, to broken bones, and disabling injuries in older people. How many people who are in memory care units started out with just a deficiency in vitamin B1? But instead of treating all these issues as a vitamin deficiency, a condition with a very simple solution, we treat it with medications. We treat rapid heartbeat with beta blockers, a medication that weakens the heart over time and can make any accompanying symptoms worse. They say that these drugs are selective only to block the nerves to the heart, but I have personally seen many cases where that was not true. I've seen weakening of the heart quite often. And we might treat tingling in the nerves with nerve blockers, including lidocaine and anesthesia. And daily or long-term use of anesthesia will cause nerve damage. Acknowledged side effects of lidocaine patches include confusion, weakness, headaches, dizziness, drowsiness, seizures, 
and changes in taste and vision. We repeatedly try to shut down the symptoms. We try to shut down the nervous system instead of making it healthy. So why is this nutrient so misunderstood? Well, mostly because the recommended daily allowance for vitamin B1 is just a little over one milligram. And that's practically nothing. I tried to research how we got to this number, and honestly, I couldn't find out how it happened. But it is one of the biggest misunderstandings of this nutrient is how much we actually need. Vitamin B1 first caught my attention many years ago when vitamin testing first became available. I tested myself and my levels were at the absolute bottom of the range. Many years ago, I drank a lot of coffee and I have to admit, I still drink too much tea. Yes, that is my vice. I do like my black tea. Since the recommended daily allowance is one milligram, I looked for a supplement and realized that it's hard to find anything less than 100 milligrams, which seemed odd to me at the time. But I tried it for a while, and honestly, I really didn't notice a difference. So after a couple of bottles, I just gave up. I just decided, well, maybe it didn't really matter. After all, with the extra supplement, in addition to what was in my multivitamin, I was getting about 125 times the RDA. That seemed to be enough of an experiment on that one. Then years and years later, I read a study on the use of high doses of vitamin B1 for heart disease. I started to investigate further, and I saw studies in which they were using 200, 300 milligrams daily. And that shocked me at the time. So I started to rethink the dose for myself. And I started taking 200 milligrams daily instead of 100. And magic happened. My mind was so clear. My mental focus increased. My energy was better. My cardio workouts were stronger. And I became a believer I started testing higher dosages with patients and became convinced that the recommended daily allowance is very, very wrong. Maybe they lost a couple of decimal places. I don't know. When they were doing their calculations, I don't know. But I do know that this is one of the most critical nutritional misunderstandings around. So let's look at this nutrient more closely. We talked about it a little bit in our episode on vibrant energy in February. Vitamin B1 is essential to how we get carbohydrates, protein, and fats to enter the energy cycle of the cells. So everything we eat takes vitamin B1 to process it properly. In the case of carbs, sugar, A B1 deficiency means that our body doesn't know what to do with the carbs we eat, and that's our fuel. That can lead to blood sugar issues. We can easily swing too high or too low as our body tries to keep up with processing. And that can mean that even if we're eating carbs, the carbs may not be getting to our brain well or quickly. And the longer it takes for that glucose to get to our brains, the more we're going to keep eating until it does get there. That signal that we're full takes longer. And that has direct implications for appetite, the feeling of satisfaction, 
and ultimately how much we eat, which leads to obesity. Our starving brains keep saying, feed me, feed me, because our brains aren't getting the fuel. The more we eat, the more B1 we need to process that food, and that sets up a downward spiral because our levels get even more and more depleted, and then we eat even more. Um, the cycle goes on and on. We end up feeling dragged out and tired all day, so we just want more coffee, more tea, more sweets to get through the day, and then alcohol at night to recover from how hard the day felt. And we rely on these things that deplete us even more. Again, no one in the modern world has this. This does not remind me of one single person I know. Uh-huh. As I started looking up studies for this conversation today, I found a great paper that was co-authored by Dr. Derek Lonsdale, emeritus researcher at the Cleveland Clinic. And the paper was called Hiding in Plain Sight, Modern Thiamine Deficiency. And it echoed just what I've observed about this nutrient. All of this is right in plain sight. How can we possibly be thinking that this is not an issue? So I want to highlight some of the ideas from this terrific paper. First, let's look at common symptoms, the early stage symptoms, which include fatigue, irritability, mood swings, lack of mental clarity, sleep disturbances, gastrointestinal discomfort, and GI motility issues. There can be food intolerances and eventually even vomiting. Now, as the, as the deficiency progresses over time, that's when we start to see heart and neurological issues. We start to see a weakening of the heart. There can even be congestive heart failure as we start to see fluid edema building up in the chest because the heart's not pumping well and the lymph system is backing up. We start to see neurological issues, mental confusion, memory loss, vision issues, and loss of muscle control in the arms and legs. This may lead to a lack of balance, coordination, and trouble walking. And it can affect fingers, hands, arms, legs, the, anywhere in the body. It can even affect speech and eye movements. There can be neuropathy, that's numbness, tingling, a, feel, a feeling of pins and needles. There could be muscle weakness and spasms and pain from a buildup of lactic acid. We can see even severe mental confusion and memory loss. The mind starts to play tricks on people and they have memories of things that never even happened. In some extreme cases, it can lead to outright psychotic behavior. What puts people at higher risk consuming coffee tea, and sweets. Overeating, because the more we eat, the more we need to process the food. Alcohol consumption. Um, beyond that, issues with poor digestion and inflammatory digestive issues may mean that we don't absorb our B1 very well. And any surgery on the, on the digestive tract can affect absorption as well. Smoking increases our need for B1. 
Vitamin B1 has an important role in keeping our cells oxygenated and smoking creates big challenges there. Some medications can deplete vitamin B1. We see this with diuretics. We see it with metformin, which is for type two diabetes. We might see this with NRTI medications that are taken lifelong for HIV and AIDS. And it's awful to say, but anti-seizure medicines such as phenytoin and antiarrhythmia medicines such as digoxin can deplete B1. And that's really awful because B1 deficiency may be making the seizures or the arrhythmias in the first place. And we're taking medications that only make it worse. The Lonsdale paper cites two studies with vitamin B1 and diabetes. Diabetics are a very high risk group here for vitamin B deficiency. One paper saw deficiency in 75% of patients tested, and the number was the same for both type 1 and type 2 diabetics. In another study, it was 98% of patients that were deficient. Those are profoundly and unusually high numbers for any correlation in medicine. So that's really a wow, scientifically speaking. Another risk group for deficiency uh, is pregnant women. Prenatal vitamins don't seem to have the right balance. Um, and women are often found not to have enough to meet their needs during this time. This is especially true for those women for whom vomiting is in pregnancy is more severe. So if you're ever in that situation, um, um, please pay attention to your vitamin B1 needs. Elderly people are often quite deficient, um, perhaps because absorption becomes less deficient and elderly people can often eat a less varied diet. Uh, they also might rely more on convenience foods, processed foods. There are also people who genetically have issues with the ability to use vitamin B1. Um, when testing, we might actually see levels that are abnormally high because the person simply can't use what they're taking in. If genetics is the issue, then we really need to work directly with a functional medicine practitioner with a specialty in genetics to look specifically at what the problem is and how we can work around it or compensate for it. Now let's take a look at some of the specifics of what vitamin B1 does and why being without it is such a problem. First, vitamin B1 helps us to produce a substance called ribose, which is essential to our DNA and RNA. Without this, we might not be able to accurately translate the genetic blueprint when we're making new cells. And this means that a deficiency of B1 will affect cellular regeneration. It affects how well we make every new cell in our bodies. And we make about 100 million new cells per minute, every minute of every day. So whether we do it well or do it badly, matters every single day. Then we need vitamin B1 to generate glutathione. And I hope you caught last week's podcast on that topic. 
Glutathione is absolutely one of the best nutrients for longevity, endurance, immunity, and curbing oxidative stress. So we want to have everything in place to make sure that we're doing that as efficiently as we can. Then vitamin B1 is important for bringing oxygen and nutrition to the cells. It's needed to bring the food we eat, the protein, the carbohydrates, the fats into the chemical cycle that makes energy. It's one of the nutrients that makes the energy wheels start turning. If we can't process these core nutrients efficiently, our whole body starts to weaken and can't function well. And while the body will sacrifice many other functions first, if we don't feed the cells for a long enough time, even the heart will weaken. It needs a lot of energy to keep beating every second of every day. In time, we also start to lose oxygen at the cellular level. This is something called pseudo-hypoxia. Pseudo meaning false and hypoxia meaning not enough oxygen. And it's called that because the oxygen is there. The lungs are doing their job, but the oxygen just isn't getting down to the cellular level. Eventually, that compromises the cells. They weaken and die off, and we age more quickly. This is critical for the role of B1 in heart disease. We very clearly see what's called high cardiac output conditions. And these include rapid heartbeat, irregular heartbeat, chest pain, difficulty breathing. Ultimately, it can even lead to a heart attack. We're just working our heart way too hard. Eventually, because of this long-term overuse of the heart, the heart becomes weaker. We have trouble circulating the blood and ultimately circulating fluid as well. Fluid builds up in the chest and it can lead to congestive heart failure. Eventually, there can be swelling throughout the body as the lymphatic system backs up. It starts in the legs, but eventually can go throughout the whole body. We start to see the blood vessels becoming more reactive. There's more inflammation. We start to see changes in blood pressure, either too high or too low. And then due to either congestive heart failure or high blood pressure, a person might be prescribed diuretics, which, as we mentioned, just depletes vitamin B1 even more. Several studies cited by Dr. Lonsdale off, uh, showed that depending on the study, between 33 and 90% of patients that were hospitalized with cardiac symptoms were deficient in B1. Again, 90% is a crazy high uh, correlation in medicine. We do not see that very often. So you can see how having enough B1 could save your life. It can also substantially improve the quality of life, as we'll see when we return. Let's take a break here, and we'll be right back with Healthy Wealthy You and more on vitamin B1, the very essential and essentially misunderstood vitamin.
follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Healthy Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille. And let's continue our understanding of what vitamin B1 is doing in the body. B1 has a huge impact on the nervous system. The key thing is how B1 affects our myelin sheath. The myelin sheath is a fatty covering on the nerve. It's like insulation on the wiring of our nervous system. It minimizes damage to the nerve by protecting the nerve as the electricity charges through it. When there are degenerative diseases such as MS, multiple sclerosis, the myelin breaks down, the nerves lose their protection, and eventually there's nerve damage that causes those nerves to stop functioning. This is a long process, and this degeneration, like any degenerative disease of the nerves, takes years. So everything that we can do on a daily basis to prevent this is valuable. Alzheimer's, nerve damage from diabetes, all of these come from the daily deterioration of the nerves over a very long period of time. Vitamin B1 helps us protect the myelin, reducing deterioration of the nerves, and it also promotes the process by which regenerate myelin. There's an immune response when we have any kind of nerve damage, even small amounts of chronic nerve damage that happens on a daily basis. This process involves immune cells, macrophages, that carry away the damaged myelin material, and that helps make the way for new growth. So B1 supports this repair process. 
Years ago, it was thought that nerves couldn't regenerate themselves, but we found more recently that they regenerate quite a lot until about half of the nerve fibers get damaged. After that, we do reach a point of no return and we see more permanent ramifications for the nervous system. So it's important to make sure that we don't go down that road. In one meta-analysis done by Simone Baltruche of the Institute of Medical Biochemistry and Molecular Biology in Rostock, Germany, um, and again, a meta-analysis is a study of all the studies someone can find on a certain subject. So they're great references. In this meta-analysis, she cites a study that showed that vitamin B1 reduces overexcitation of the nerves, as well as irregularities in nerve conduction. And that can have implications for a huge variety of condi conditions, such as ADHD, anxiety, and mental focus. And since our nerves control our organs, there can be overexcitation or irregular functioning of the heart, the digestion, the hormones, anything in the body. Irregularities of control is something we definitely don't want to see. If things are swinging, if they're changing high and low, it's hard to keep track of and control what's going on. So that has serious implications in a lot of areas. Another study that she cites shows that vitamin B1 helps to reduce pain by reducing the excitation of the nerves. And we're going to talk a lot about pain later in the show. Other studies showed that in combination with B6 and B12, there was a reduction of inflammation at the site of nerve injuries. And that combination supported the growth of new nerve fibers, which is really important. It's a key to both pain and degeneration of the nerves. B1 is helpful for diabetic neuropathy. In one study for the uh, from the Center for International Medicine at the University of Gießen in Germany, it was shown that six months of supplementation with benfotiamine, which is a fat-soluble form of vitamin B1, almost completely resolved diabetic neuropathy, the damage that comes that that happens to the nerves from diabetes. Now, this nerve damage causes reduced circulation to the feet and increases the likelihood of injuries to the feet, which can, in extreme cases, extreme but not uncommon, it can lead to gangrene and even amputations in diabetics. So this is beyond important. Now, these results are not seen in all studies, but keep in mind that it depends hugely on how far along the situation is. Now, interestingly, magnesium, which was the focus of one of our episodes a couple of weeks ago, works together with vitamin B1 to get carbohydrates into the energy cycle and keep the energy cycle moving. Magnesium also helps to protect nerves from electrical damage. So when we're talking about diabetes and diabetic neuropathy, when we're talking about any condition that's worse when we eat sugar. And when we're talking about any neurological condition at all, 
we need to make sure that we have adequate levels of both of these nutrients. Again and again, we see magnesium and B1 working together. I mentioned that vitamin B1 helped me with mental clarity. It helps us with the production of acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that helps us with quick recall. People who can get the answer faster than anyone else on game shows or people who are quick with a joke or pun are people with high acetylcholine. So if you're watching Jeopardy and you know you know the answer, but you just never can quite remember it, or even more so, if you can't remember someone's name or what your spouse asked you to pick up at the store, B1 might help boost your acetylcholine to help with all of that. Vitamin B1 is also shown to help serotonin uptake, so it's an aid in depression. Serotonin is our calming, feel-good neurotransmitter, and it's the target of most antidepressant medications. In a study at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, they showed that vitamin B1 not only helped with uptake, but they also showed that it created an actual improvement in symptoms. Another function of B1 is that it's a very important antioxidant for our cells. It prevents oxidative stress and the degeneration that oxidative stress causes. Now, think of oxidative stress like rust on a car. Antioxidants are keeping our cells from rusting. B1 does this by minimizing destruction from something that we call ROS, or reactive oxidative species. It helps to reduce this rusting effect on our DNA and, our, and the proteins and the fats that make up our cell walls. Yet another function of B1 is that it helps reduce lactic acid, and this is a big one. This can be a factor in muscle cramping and spasms, People who have spasms that keep coming back again and again, no matter what they do, might consider vitamin B1 as well as adding in magnesium, vitamin B1's best friend. When lactic acid builds up, we also see nausea, weakness, headache, and a feeling of exhaustion. We generally see this when people hit the wall in sports. They build up so much lactic acid in their muscles that they suddenly seize up and can't go one step further. This is commonly talked about, but I'm quite convinced that much of our chronic, I don't feel well, I feel too dragged out to do my day without caffeine, is also lactic acid buildup. We see this buildup in HIV and AIDS patients who take NRTI medications. Um, and, and we see after a long period of time that people do have a lot of muscle spasms, a lot of pain syndromes. So extra support in neutralizing acid and supplement, supplementing with B1 can be very helpful here. And I just want to say as an aside, it really is useful for any medication that you take regularly to do a search on what nutrients are depleted by that medication. You can usually find it online and what you learn may really surprise you. The buildup of lactic acid could also be seen with people who take metformin, the drug for diabetes. 
And this could be part of the reason that vitamin B1 is so common with diabetics. Although remember, we saw that with type 1 diabetes as well. And those folks are on insulin, not metformin. So it's definitely not the only reason. In type 1 diabetes, we see a different cause. There's a higher likelihood of acid buildup when blood sugar swings too high and there's not enough insulin to control it. This is a condition called DKA, or diabetic ketoacidosis. Now, this is a very serious condition that can land a diabetic person in the hospital. I have a very dear friend with type 1 diabetes, and she's on an insulin pump, which allows her to get insulin without having to inject it several times per day. It's fantastic when it works, which is most of the time. But if her pump fails, which does happen a few times a year, she's in the hospital for several days to recover. Now, there's some indication and some studies to back this up that vitamin B1 can help with the lactic acid buildup. And that gives people more of a cushion to react to DKA. And that extra cushion that extra time to react might make the episode less impactful. Now, we see lactic acid buildup as being very common in sports. And if you listen to last week's episode on glutathione, I opened with a story about how I had unexpectedly gotten involved in a sports contest. I didn't know it was happening and hadn't done any preparation but I went at full capacity for two hours the first day, then at full capacity for three hours on the second day, and then did that again on the third day. It was basically like running marathons three days in a row without planning to. On the fourth morning, I woke up feeling as though I had been hit by a truck. My whole body ached. I was nauseous and dizzy. I felt as though I had the flu and I could barely get out of bed. And I was like that for 17 weeks, and nobody could figure out what was wrong. Now, I mentioned last week that I tried glutathione, and sure enough, after one pill, I was better the next day. It was like magic. In that case, my immune system had crashed. But I have to say, in retrospect, I also think that lactic acid from all that exercise was a big issue here. I didn't know it then, and I didn't try it, but I absolutely think that vitamin B1 would also have helped pull me out of that. Now, here's one of my big treatment secrets. It's what we call a clinical pearl. I really find that the combination of adequate magnesium, adequate glutathione, and adequate vitamin B1, along with a good quality methylated multivitamin to cover a few other things that we haven't discussed yet, helps bring symptomatic relief to a lot of generalized feeling yucky kind of diseases. Conditions in which we just don't have the energy, and the vitality that we need. Conditions marked by a general lack of well-being, which might include malaise, fatigue, nausea, 
headache, muscle aches. Now, you might not have all of the things on this list, maybe just a couple of them, but I really think this combination is incredible for generalized feeling bad conditions. Now, remember that these nutrients get our energy wheels turning and that they're core detoxifiers of lactic acid as well as other things. And so that's a great starting point on the road to resolving some of these issues. And even if your disease condition is more serious, I think it can help give a lot of symptomatic relief. We don't, we don't always need to cure a disease. If we can bring the symptoms down below a threshold where you're living your life fully and not bothered by your condition, then you've accomplished a lot. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to bring a lot of these issues all together. And we're going to look at a concern that's a big one for many, many people. And that is pain. All over the body, why do I hurt pain? We'll be right back with more about my favorite misunderstood nutrient in just a moment. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Healthy Wealthy You will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille. Welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille, and we're talking about vitamin B1, a nutrient that might literally save your life. And it can certainly save you a lot of pain. And that's the last issue that I want to focus on today. There are a lot of people with chronic generalized pain syndromes. We've already talked about chronic muscle spasms or feeling flu-like as though you've been hit by a truck which we see in a lot of 
chronic viral syndromes like long-haul COVID and Epstein-Barr. Now, of course, with those, we have to address the virus, but this could help us with a lot of the symptoms. We also see this generalized pain in conditions like fibromyalgia, allodynia, and complex regional pain syndrome. In fibromyalgia, we see pain and stiffness all over the body. We see fatigue, sleep, sleep issues, mood swings, headaches, migraines, problems with memory, concentration, and mental focus. With allodynia, we see that a pain does not match the stimulation. People might feel strong pain, even from light touch or light pressure. Or people might feel something as being too hot or icy cold, when most people wouldn't experience it that way at all. With complex regional pain syndrome, the pain is very severe. It's nerve pain, and it can be all over the body. It can be burning or stabbing. It's truly consuming and a life-altering condition. What all of these conditions have in common is that the pain is all over the body. It's exaggerated or it's just plain weird. And that's what we want to look at here. We have two kinds of nerve stimulation. Excitatory stimulation, which gives us the sensation, and inhibitory stimulation, which lessens or turns off the sensation. Basically, it's like an on-off switch. Or maybe it might be better to say like a dimmer switch that has levels of sensation. We can have problems when the dimmer switch is broken and we can't turn the pain level down. Now, really, pain is just a tool that the body uses to tell you that something is wrong. It's not there to torture us, much as it may often feel that way. It really is just communication. It's the body telling us, hey, pay attention. Something is wrong. Stop doing what you're doing. You got to figure this out or you're going to be in trouble. And the worse the pain is, the more the body is begging us to figure it out. The pain might be localized. My low back hurts. My shoulder hurts. And we know we need to address something that's happening right in that area. But in the conditions I'm talking about here, the pain is all over. And so it needs to be addressed on a cellular level. Something in the chemical balance of our body are at stake. Now, one neurotransmitter that turns up the volume is glutamate. And we talked about that in our episode on magnesium. And magnesium does provide the off switch that closes the gates to stop glutamate from flowing. So having enough magnesium is important here. The neurotransmitters that turn the volume down are primarily GABA, serotonin, and dopamine. We talked about a little bit about serotonin here today, and we talked about dopamine extensively two weeks ago in our episode on why our brains make us procrastinate. As you can see, all of these neurotransmitters tie in together. Now, a few things that can strongly affect the balance of these neurotransmitters are acute trauma, 
chronic inflammation and immune system issues. This can lead to something called sprouting, where the body starts to create more interconnections between the nerve fibers and it starts to increase the sensitivity of the nerve fibers. Now, the body isn't doing this to drive you crazy. It's doing it actually to protect you because if some of the nerves are compromised or some of the connections are compromised, then we need new ones. Now, I've talked about how sometimes there might be something that we think of as a symptom or a disease condition, and it really is the body just trying to compensate for something. And if we start to look at it that way, we see that we need new ways to solve problems. If we suppress the body's ability to compensate, it either finds a different way or even worse, it loses the ability to compensate and then we can create much bigger problems. So we start making these new connections and the new connections are more excitable. The body's just trying to keep the nervous system functioning. Soon we start to see chemical changes that stimulate these very excitable nerves. And these chemical changes are what trigger the pain cascade. We see an increase in inflammatory chemicals called cytokines. We see a shift at the cellular level, at the mitochondria, that reduces oxygen at the cells and reduces the way we process oxygen. We see the lactic acid buildup that we talked about. We see the oxidative stress and the impact of ROS, the reactive oxidative species that make our cells rust. We see damage to the myelin, which are the protective coating on those highly reactive nerves. And all of these things, as we talked about today, are affected by a deficiency of B1. That deficiency makes all of these things worse. So I really come back again and again to my clinical pearl, adequate B1, adequate magnesium, adequate glutathione, then a good multivitamin with methylated B vitamins to cover a few nutrients that we haven't had an opportunity to discuss yet. For some people, I've seen this combination be absolutely life-changing. So how can we supplement vitamin B1? Well, of course, my first choice is always to do it with food wherever possible. Whole grains are a good source, especially brown rice. In fact, that's how they discovered B1. It was the first nutrient ever to be observed to impact health. There was a famous doctor of Chinese medicine, Sun Simao, who lived in the 7th century. And he noticed that when wealthy people started to eat white rice instead of brown rice, they began to have neurological issues. And as he moved his patients back to eating whole grains, their symptoms improved. Of course, he didn't have the technology to know why this was so, but he did document these shifts. So the best food sources are whole grains, beans such as soy, black beans, lentils, split peas, and more. Seeds, especially flax and sunflower seeds. Pistachios, yogurt, fish, and asparagus and Brussels sprouts. Now, honestly, though 
this is one of those cases in which I think even with a good diet, extra supplementation is needed. And it's especially needed if you do consume coffee, tea, sugar, or alcohol on a regular basis, or if you smoke or use any of the medications I mentioned. And certainly it's worth trying if you have any issues with your heart or nervous system. As far as supplements are concerned, the good news is that the usual form of B1 is water soluble. So if you take too much, your body will just get rid of it. And it's a very inexpensive supplement. So experimenting with dosage is pretty safe and it won't be costly. Now that's good news in one way because we have some latitude to experiment with it. On the other hand, it does mean that we have to be much more conscious of getting a good supply of it on a daily basis, whether from food or from supplementation, because our bodies just don't hold on to it for very long. I would start again with a good multivitamin, such as the one on the Healthy Wealthy You website. With that one, you're also getting B6 and B12 in the most bioavailable methylated form. And that's also so important for some of these issues. If you're already taking a good multivitamin and you still see the symptoms I've described, then it's okay to add 100 milligrams. Try that for a couple of weeks, and then you could even go up to 200 milligrams. See if that makes a difference in how you feel. Now, as always, I'm very methodical about supplementation. Just make one change at a time, or you won't know what's helping. And go slowly. As we've said before, when we add supplements that create big shifts in the body, we don't want to do more than the body can handle. For example, if B1 is going to get you to dump a bunch of lactic acid out of the muscles, we don't want to do that quickly. We need to be able to do that as, at a pace that allows us to eliminate the lactic acid. And that can happen more slowly if your body's very acidic from drinking more coffee or soda or eating a lot of citrus or tomatoes. So when you make any change in your supplements, drink lots of water, eat well, get lots of rest, and give your body that time to adjust and repair. Now, we've been talking about the standard supplement for B1, the water-soluble form, B1 thiamine. There's also another form that we should discuss, which is a fat-soluble form that I mentioned briefly earlier called benfotiamine. This is considered by some people to be a better form to take for neurological issues, as it can have a greater impact on rebuilding myelin. But we do need to be careful with fat-soluble vitamins because the body doesn't get rid of the excess the way it would get rid of the excess water-soluble vitamins. So working with a functional medicine doctor and having regular testing, such as the vitamin mineral test on my website, is a good idea if you're working with benfotiamine. And one thing to keep in mind when we're trying improve the health of the nerves is that we also need to have plenty of the good oils to provide that protective sheath on the nerves. This is going to be baseline for any neurological issue, headaches, numbness, tingling, tremors, 
you name it. You've got to have those good oils, the seeds, the olive oil, the avocados, that kind of thing. Keep in mind, we're in it for the long term. We didn't get to where we are health-wise in a week or a month. We got to where we are over the course of years, and it takes time to clean that up, to reverse that out. Some people broadly say that repair and recovery takes one month of effort for every year that you've had a certain health issue. Now, of course, that's a really big generalization, but I think it sets a fairly reasonable expectation. And do remember with nervous system issues that after a certain amount of time, after a certain amount of degeneration, it may just not be possible to reverse. But at least if you can slow down the progression, that has enormous value. And so is the increased energy and mental clarity that you're likely to get along the way. In addition to taking more vitamin B1, we can look at lifestyle changes that reduce the demand that we place on our supply. Being more moderate about coffee, tea, sugar, and alcohol, avoiding tobacco, eating more moderately in general, eating fewer processed foods, white rice, white flour, foods that use up our B1 to digest them, but don't give us anything back in return. Now, you might be thinking that you can't get through your busy life without those things, but I promise you that if you start with my clinical pearl combination, getting through the day will become a whole lot easier. And then you can have those things as occasional pleasures instead of having them as part of your survival. It's always about living your best life. And with that, I will leave you with the words of the fabulous Bob Marley, who said, happiness does not mean that the day is perfect, but that you have looked beyond its imperfections. I wish you a day of happiness and perfect imperfections. This has been Dr. Camille with Healthy Wealthy You. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Healthy Wealthy You. Have a question but weren't able to get on the show today? Join us next week and call in. Until then, hold that inspiration.